Um, I'm going to introduce our friend, but I'll start with a word of prayer here this evening. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your great faithfulness to us, for giving us the sound to sing, that we may sing your praises and bring glory to your name. We pray, O Lord, that you would bless this time we have. May we be strengthened and encouraged so that we may use our voices to glorify you. And for Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is uh, my friend Jared Ritchie, uh, someone that uh, I've known for, I'm guessing, almost 20 years now, getting pretty close, and a good friend and uh, vision caster of music and culture. Uh, he's trained all of my children to sing well, certainly improved me over the years, um, and even one of my children, who shall remain nameless, they'll know who they are if they listen, um, who has difficulty holding a tune in a bucket, uh, even improved greatly under his tutelage. Uh, but all of it being done so that uh, we can sing gloriously as God's people. So, Jared Ritchie. Thank you. Uh, uh, Dan, he, he uh, gives me too much credit. Um, his, his unnamed child can't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it, right? So, but... Uh, we, we, we had a good time. But uh, I, I bring you greetings tonight from Church of the Redeemer um, in Westboro, Louisiana. Maybe you've been there, got lost, headed to Dallas, or uh, needed to have a um, pit stop on the way to there. But uh, Steve Wilkins, our pastor, and my wife Sarah and our three oldest are here. We're on fall break, uh, coming and doing a little sightseeing. So it's a great privilege to be here. My, my task in this short period of time is to encourage you in the area of music and to tell you what a great blessing it is to have uh, a rich tradition of music in the church, some of which you will know and some of which uh, you might have heard before but just forgotten. So we'll spend a little time doing that tonight and I'm going to jump around here if this thing will work. We might sing a little bit here. Um, what I'd like to do at, uh, is give you a little bit of a witness, not just my words, but the words of the church through Hennedy. I like to tell people a lot of times um, there's a lot of instruction in the scriptures, particularly in the Psalms, over 200 times, to sing unto the Lord. A new song, you, you remember, you, you've read these passages. But the scriptures aren't just full of admonitions to sing. The hymn writers have come alongside and put prose to the same ideas over the years and this is one of my favorite hymns. If you don't know Robert Lowry's My Life Flows On in Endless Song, How Can I Keep From Singing is the, is the hymn. It was a minister who wrote these three texts, and I, I'll read them to you and let you, I guess I could sing it to you. You're like, a oh, music guy, come on, sing. Are, are, is that what you are? I mean, are you a, I could, but um, it'll sound a little coldish, uh, but, you know, maybe it'll have a jazz sound here, but it's... My life goes on in endless song above earth's lamentations. Okay, I have to sing it. I hear the sweet, though far off hymn that hails a new creation through all the tumult and the strife. I hear the music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? You know this tune? You know this verse? It's amazing. The second verse what though my joys and comforts die, the Lord my Savior... Okay, I'm going to stop singing there. The Lord my Savior liveth. What though the darkness gather round, songs in the night he giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that refuge clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep of sing keep from singing? Of course, the last verse, I lift my eyes, the clouds grow thin, I see the blue eyes above it, and day by day this pathway smooth since first I learned to love it. The peace of Christ makes fresh my heart, a fountain ever springing. All things are mine since I am his. How can I keep from singing? It's a wonderful exhortation to sing, but we live in a society that has forgotten the rich legacy of singing. We think music is a gift some people are sprinkled on at birth. Maybe mom played the trumpet or the piano, or maybe Aunt Betty was an organist, or maybe dad had a guitar, and then that trickles into the DNA, and then kids learn to be musical because of that. When in reality, 
the witness I want to tell you is what I've been operating under in my absence of gray hair, I know. But for the past 15 years teaching students like Dan's children, my children, in our little small neck of the woods in North Louisiana, is teach music as a language. And you can learn a language at any age. The younger you are, the better success you're going to have long term, right? If you want to pick up Chinese at 35, Mandarin Chinese, not going to be something you're going to really take to as quickly as if you were five years old, right? Five-year-olds can take to that pretty quick. Um, but we need to teach music as a language. We need to learn music the way we learned our language. We didn't tell our five-year-olds, this is a past particle, Johnny Sue, uh, Johnny Sue, past participle, and this is a gerund. Can you say gerund, right? We don't do that. We, we read them books. We sing to them. We pat their bottoms and just uh, sing a lullaby. In my, our part of the world, it's, you know, in Cajun French, you know, fait dodo, you know. We just shut our, we, sh we just sing real nasal and talk like this and eat gumbo. Anyway, that's uh, uh, the, the uh, only half the story. The other time we're eating uh, crawfish etouffee, but that's the more successful deal. But I wanted to encourage you, how can I keep from singing? Uh, Doug Wilson is famous for saying it's not a get-to, but a, it's not a got-to, but a get-to, right? And I think Lowry's hymn text is just that for us. How can I keep from singing? It, it, there's a wonderful text if you've read um, um, a German philosopher, a Christian, a Roman Catholic philosopher, has a, a wonderful uh, book, a little short book on festivity um, that is a riff off of Augustine, and it's Only the Lover Sings is the name of the little book. And it's an interesting idea, right? How can I keep from singing? Only the lover sings. And that's uh, what he's getting at, and that's what we need to get at. So we need to see it as a get-to, not a got-to. But I think Satan would, would love to have the churches filled with music all around us. This is the typical temptation, I, I think, that we find in all good things of life. It, we're surrounded with it, but we don't have to do it ourselves. So um, a couple things there. I want to give you John Wesley's singing directions. You know, John Wesley um, and his brother uh, Samuel, and we have some good texts, but I discovered this about two years ago. <coughs> Wonderful admonitions, and I know the fine print is worse than a mortgage contract, so I'll read it to you, uh, but I wanted to fit it on one sl slide. You can see it off to the left. This was at the back of his, uh, one of the collections that they did, and it is just stellar. And I'm hoping it kind of encourages you in the area of music. And he has these little directions, and I'll read them for you. Number one, learn these tunes before you learn any others, he says. Afterward, learn as many as you please. Number two, sing them exactly as they're written or printed here, without altering or mending them at all. And if you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can, right? Uh, part three, uh, number three, sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. Ooh, that, that cuts to the quick. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. It is a cross to you. Take it, if it is a cross to you, it says, take it up and you will find it a blessing. If it is a cross to you, take it up and you will find it a blessing. Woo! My favorite line here, sing lustily and with a good courage. Sing lustily and with a good courage. Don't just murmur, purr, you know, sing lustily. Sing vigorously. Still sing musically, please. You're right. We don't want yelling at all different times. This is not a, a crazy environment we're, we're cultivating, but a hearty one, a robust one. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. Boy, is that something. Beware if you're singing, if you are half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of it in its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Ha! Well, that cuts to it. Well, he's talking to, you know, you're happy to sing along with, if we can modernize it, Taylor Swift or, you know, uh, Chris Stapleton or, I don't know, fill in the blank. You know, uh, the Beatles, Hey Jude, right? Which I love, Hey Jude. No, 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 I do. Uh, you know, sorry. All right, here we go. I'm just making sure you're awake here. All right, that's all. Um, but 
sing lustily with a good courage. It's a wonderful, wonderful exhortation. Sing modestly. Do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation. This is number five. That you may not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together as much as one clear melodious sound. What a great encouragement. Number six, two more here. Sing in time. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. I love that. Hey, we've got a rhythm over here. Make sure you're with us here, okay? Don't, don't uh, lollygag behind the beat. But attend close to the leading voices and move therewith exactly as you can. And take care not to sing too slow, right? This, is, this drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy, and it is high time to drive it out from us and sing all our tunes just as quick as we did at first. And then lastly, above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound, but offered to God continually. So shall your singing be such that as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. Now now think of this here. Wesley is putting this in a hymnal to encourage people to sing. And it's an encouragement that is not lost on the modern society. Most of you may have had some music training, but maybe you you took lessons for a while, and you didn't get the ability to sing. My encouragement is to don't give up on that. Uh, my good friend David Erb at New St. Andrews College is fond of saying, if the Lord gives you 30 more years on this earth, 15 more years on this earth, 45, 50 years on this earth, can you conceive of moving the needle in your ability to make music and to enjoy God and to understand Him? Do you think of God as someone who is musical? Does, do you think of your heavenly father as someone who sings and can you learn more about his holy character his fatherhood through song well yeah but most of us are deaf to that right? we haven't been taught it this is why we've got to train people to do music we've got to teach it as a language this is the culture of, of music in the church this is the topic that we're focusing on this evening this is what it's about, is about recovering what it was that has made the church so hardy throughout its birth at Pentecost and in the years. It's why the best of music and culture, historically, what we would call classical or art music, has come from the church, been carried along by the church, and has given the, us the greatest music by men and women in the church, right? It's... It's very important to keep that in mind. A um, couple things here. Another thing, just to get you to sing a little bit, because, you know, I can talk at myself in the mirror. I don't have to, you know, hear myself talk. But I thought, let's get you to, to sing a little bit here. I, I want to argue that in our hymnals, in the contus, and in the, the, I'm working on some different projects and putting some things out there, um, there is a much more vibrant legacy of hymn singing than we have been uh, made aware of in the church. So for instance, you might have grown up singing that wonderful hymn, uh, Now Thank We All Our God, which is from a German tune and text by Johann Kruger and Martin Rinkert. Rinkert wrote the text, Johann Kruger, German reformer, uh, musician, and it's fantastic. I don't know that this will play. I'm going to skip past it. But most of us, this is how I would teach this if you wanted to learn parts. Now, nobody says, okay, to their five-year-old, now you're walking, once you're two, you're walking, maybe while you're one, you're walking, maybe 15, 18 months or something. You don't say, now, it's time to get ready for a half marathon, okay? Yeah, no, we don't say that. Nobody would think to. Just like we don't tell a third grader, all right, it's time to try out for Hamlet, right? We don't tell them that. We say, it's time to read. But... We can sound out, just like we can sound out the phonics of English, we can ph phoneticize the rhythms and the sandbags. <coughs> you know, the Julie Andrews, Do, Re, Mies, you know, Do, a very good place to start, she said, right? Well, she was pulling from the church. The church historically has been a place of music literacy. If, if you know these solfege hand signs, Sol, Mi, Re, Do, right? Sol, La, Sol, Mi, Re, Do, Sol, Mi, Rain, Rain, Do, Way, right? You heard these little tunes? Maybe you sang them on Grandma's knee? 
these were hand signs. A British pastor, John Kerwin, and his Sunday school superintendent, they invented those. The do, re, mi, that we know, it's solfege syllables, it's phonetics of music. It was a choir master in, in I think, southern Italy or northern Italy who created that. Um, music education doesn't belong, in, uh, historically, it doesn't belong to the secular culture. It belongs to us. We have the most reason to sing. What has the Lord done for us, right? We were dead, but now we've been made alive, right? That is the wonderful blessing. So what do you do? You respond in song. And so our people, our older brothers and sisters in the faith, have said, you know what? We've got to train people to read music. So they create, especially in this country, in the part of the world where you reside, in the New England area, um, you had hymnals and shape note hymnals and singing schools uh, that started to train people, train Christians to sing and sing in parts. But now, thank well, our God is not uh, probably, you probably, unless you grew up Lutheran, and even so, not even the Lutherans do this as much. We don't um, sing this piece the way it was written. I'm going to step to the piano here. Maybe you, this is how it's in the Cantu, sadly, and in most other hymnals. It, we learned it like this. Now thank we. I feel a lot of hidden back here. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just pop up at random times to make sure. It's cool. <laughs> but um, now thank we, oh Lord God. We're in fluid Bach cantata. But this is what was actually written. Extra notes, extra notes for me. That's just jazz. Sorry about that. <laughs> Twice a week, after we pray, evening time, we'll sing this wonderful, rhythmic, thankful. How many times have you told your, they're like, thank your mother for dinner? Thank you for my dinner. No, that's not the way. Try that again. Thank you for my dinner. Almost. <laughs> thank you for my dinner. Excellent. Now go do the dishes. No, just <laughs> do the dishes. But your posture, form, and content have to match, right? I'm not going to stand up here and tell you about thankfulness like, thank you. Mm. Right, you're not going to do that. That's over the top. But there is a thankfulness that we need in the form of our hymnody. And it just so happens that so many of the hymns that were there, hidden in plain sight, dare I say, were rhythmic. And they weren't these dirges that they have been treated like. If that was the case, I'm like, give me some smoke machines, bring some drums in here. we got to keep this thing alive. Right? But so much of our, our heritage, most of us, myself included, don't know that we've been bequeathed a wonderful, vibrant, rhythmic hymnody that's participatory. That's not meant to get you all warm, fuzzy in your gut, but is meant for your voices to come together and be a little picture of the church. Maybe you sing in harmony. Maybe you sing Psalm 98, Oh, sing a new song to the Lord, which is a beauty. 
where the altos are over here and the sopranos are there. But isn't that a picture of the church? Aren't you doing something over here, something over there that this family's doing? And what a picture of dwelling together in unity, right? Pictured in song. Because the Lord knows we're forgetful people. And he has sprinkled little bits of his character all throughout creation because he knows we forget, right? And he has done that with music. And it's a wonderful heritage that we've been given. So my call has been to try to recover some of these hearty tunes. Another one that you might have heard of is A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Well, Luther wrote the text and the tune to that. But none of us, none of us sing it the way he wrote it. That's I know this because if you take it out of that uh, Contus Christi, you have two versions in there, and those are two versions that he didn't write. Right? Luther wrote <coughs> in German, and then it was translated in English. Um, and he, Bach, gotta love James Bach, right? The, the German Lutheran Baroque composer in his cantata 80 made a wonderful orchestrated tune with harmony and all these nerdery that we can talk about. But he turned it into a lovely little chorale. And somehow or another, which I won't bore you with, that ended up in our hymnals. But that's not the way Luther wrote it. Luther wrote this. I don't have it in front of me. But here we go. Uh, Fortress is our God, which I love Steve Green, right? A bulwark never failing, which is lovely, lovely rhythm, lovely harmony. But what if I told you that's not the text or the words, that uh, text or the words or the redundancy like I just did there? What if I told you that's not what Luther wrote? He wrote in German, Ein feste Burg ist unser Gott. Ein guter Wer und Waffen. Wow, a trusty shield and weapon. A Unitarian minister from Boston in the 1800s translated it into a bulwark never failing. It's fine to sing that, but what I want to tell you is Luther wrote a rhythmic tune, and it's not the lovely orchestrated version that Bach gave us. And the same way that Bach did that is the same thing that happened to Now Thank We All Our God. Now, you don't have to understand that. That's for me to, uh, to the nerdery. I push up my glasses a couple times a week and take a volume because I get so excited about these things. <laughs> but I just want you to know that there is a rich heritage of hearty hymnody that's participatory, right? Oh, do we need participatory singing in our churches? We need music that's accessible to our people. We want good lyrics, but we want good <coughs> lyrics that are pairs very well with our music. So we want the form of thankfulness to match the content of thankfulness. So we want now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Now, man, that is that old. That's, somebody said that's the hypercaffeinated version of uh, Now Thank We All Our God. Maybe it's a two-shot espresso. I, I don't know. But that's the kind of hymnody that's in our church musical culture and heritage. It's what we need to, to be thankful for. Um, what I like to tell folks is it's hard to give thanks for something you don't know exists. Right? You can nominally say, I'm thankful that there are people living... In Portugal, I don't know any, but I'm thankful. Now, if you meet some people from Portugal, your thankfulness has an embodied form, right? It's hard for us to be thankful for our musical heritage if we don't know it. So I would love us to know it. I would love us to sing through a history of prose. We, we are to be singing the Psalms, of course, and hymns, which are little commentaries on the Psalms um, and the Scriptures, 
to help us rehearse the themes of our people, our older brothers and sisters in the faith. We don't want to be weird about doing it. Well, you're going to be weird. Blessed are the weird. That's the other beatitude that wasn't in there. You're probably figuring that out, right? The blessed are the weird. That's the CREC's unofficial motto. Right? Now, some of our brothers have put that on a T-shirt and a bumper sticker, and we need to tell them, you should probably take that off, okay? Right? Now, if it was a punch card, they would already be cashing in, you know, uh, advantage rewards or whatever, uh, fly, flyer, frequent fly miles or something in weird points. But we don't want to be weird for the sake of being weird. But there is a wonderful tradition and a wonderful heritage of music and a wonderful heritage of just being normal that when the world is insane, normal looks weird, right? Um, we have to recalibrate what exactly is it that we're after. All right, uh, I'm going to have to jump around here just because, like I said, uh, I've got to keep it to a tight three hours. So I'm going to skip a few things here. And I want to show you a little bit more at this. We already skipped through there. I'm going to actually show you what I was telling you about the, the church. The church we have inherited. Um, Solfege came to us. I wanted you to not take my word for it. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do was actually in an old Latin hymn. It wasn't do originally, it was ut, and then do came later, and there was no t, but it was the six notes, and then the, the hand signs. Now, if you want to teach people to do music, which is what my day job is, I'm not over here waxing eloquently about music, I'm actually rolling my sleeves up and teaching people to sing, right? And I may not want to hear them on their own private audition for American Idol, but I'm, they're all called to sing at least once a week. Preferably more than that, right? We're all called. We don't need to necessarily hear you by yourself, but we're all called to sing. Um, a couple of thing, uh, things here to, to show you. Um, I mentioned the church has been about singing schools in the New England area in Boston. This was in, in the middle of, you know, peacetime peace 1770s. You know, nothing could go, nothing was happening in those early colonial years. And they thought it important to train people to read music. And so they introduced uh, shape notes. If you've seen shape notes, this is the seven-note shape note system. You can sound out music. You can sound out the rhythms. You can give it a phonics, right? Your child learned to read at a young age by saying, at, right? They, that's probably how they learned. Well, you can teach music the same way. It's a language. It has a grammar. It has a history. It has a phonics. It has a literature. And oh, you should sing through it. Right? You should listen to it. Not so that you're weird, stuffy, and have something to brag about at dinner parties, but so that you can say, wow, what glories have been ours. What a liberal arts education is, is not just the ability to repair cars or HVAC work or the ability to diagram um, this, that, or the other. Those things are great. But it's a freeing, larger education understanding who you are in the world, why God has put you here, and what trajectory you are downstream from, and what can be downstream from you with the Lord's blessing. And so um, we've been training our people in, in, in North Louisiana, but before um, Dan and Rachel were paroled to you all, you know, we, they served their time with us, and then they brought uh, uh, y'all up, you brought them up here to, to work, and we've been doing this kind of thing. Um, now, this is not something I have fathers who come to me and say, Jared, can you teach me how to sing? And I'll say, yes, but you probably can't devote the time that you need to, right? But I said, you should still try. You should let your sons and your daughters see you trying because that sermon is a much more encouraging one than you just saying, I think next month I'm going to take up singing. I think I want to join a barbershop quartet. Well, that would be lovely, right? And exciting. But that's not necessarily going to be as powerful to your young teenage boys and your young teenage daughters or your school-aged children as saying, you know what, we need to be singing around the dinner table. We need to be singing as we drive to church on Sunday. And it may not sound great and glorious, but we've got to do it. The old hymn, the old 100th, it says what? All people what? That on earth do dwell. What does it say next? Sing. Sing, Sing. yeah. And that's a good... Uh, good apologetic for not just the people who are gifted in it, right? That's that's the wonderful text by William Keff, the old 100th tune um, that we love and, and know. All people on that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord. 
not just people we deem as gifted in it, not just people who, like I said, had a mom who played trumpet, but all people. And that's our call there. I, I'm going to skip around here a little bit here just to show you a few more things here, just to hopefully kind of encourage you. Oh, yes, a few more hymn exhortations, if we can. All right, a few things here. Just to, in case you're not quite with me here, uh, the exhortations in the scriptures, just to give you a little rehearsal of those, if you want to kind of look back over, Psalm 47, which says, Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises, for God is the King over all the earth, sing praises with understanding. If you were to extract a little part of that, uh, verse uh, 7 there, sing praises with understanding. That's not just textual understanding. Musical understanding is part of that. That's something we do want to keep in mind. Psalm 96.1, which we sing a lot, you know. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And then more importantly, singing to the Lord all the earth, right? Not Again, not just this dichotomized group of haves and have-nots. If music is a language, no one ever says, you know what, I'm just not gifted in speaking English. You may not like to stand in front of people, you may not feel like you're the next Jerry Seinfeld, right? You may not feel like you're a great orator. But you don't have the spiritual gift of speaking English. You don't have some magical sprinkling ability to talk, right? You just grew up in this country or grew up in a family that read to you and talked and you learned, right? And for all of us, our speaking is better than our, than our uh, reading and then our writing. Same as with music. It should be that we can sing better than we can read music, and we can both do both of those things, probably combined, better than we can write music, right? I don't mean write music. I mean dabble down a little tune or a melody, you know? A little musical sentence. You hear a little jingle. Wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Epsident, right? You know, you're like, how does that tune go? Or nationwide is on your side, right? Or my favorite like a good neighbor, Barry Manilow would say. State Farm is there, right? And now they just, dee da da da. What is that little melody? That's making them billions. Barry Manilow is probably sitting in a cabana at the Copa, just going, "What a brilliant writing!" Anyway, if you don't know who Barry Manilow is, see, I'm not that old. I am that old. This body is just catching up with what's inside the head. Here. But anyway, I grew up in a musical family that we listened to people that I didn't even know. I, anyway, I, that's neither here nor there. We can talk about that. But um, that's the joy of all of this. A few more references here. Psalm 104, you might have seen before, verse 33. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. While I have my being. Only the lover sings, right? Augustine said. And Joseph Pieper, or Joseph Pieper, Only the Lover Sings was his little book on festivity. Wonderful reminders. Do you, do you dwell on that? Uh, and then finally, the famous apologetic for singing in the New Testament, we know the two parallel passages in Colossians and Ephesians, right, that say, the Colossians passage that says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Right, we could have a whole series on what all that means and how that is broken out. But singing with grace to your hearts in the Lord. And then Ephesians 5 says what? Therefore, not, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the Lord is. And then it says, don't be drunk with wine, uh, in which is dissipation. But then it says, be filled with the Spirit. And you go, now he's going to start talking. And what does he say? Sing to one or by, by speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? And making melody in your heart to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? You want to be filled with the Spirit? Put the wine bottle down, right? I love wine, love love beer, but tell these people out there that are, that are picking up that Spirit and give them another Spirit, right? Let them sing to the Lord. Let them find their voice. Let them do that and see how it doesn't uh, bring about a glorious... Uh, change in your heart and mind. A couple uh, exhortations here, and then we have a couple questions, maybe we'll sing. Um, uh, I love these things here. The, the testament of the hymn writers uh, there is, is a rich one. 
Uh, and this one, if you know this hymn, Come Ye That Love the Lord, it's got a couple different tunes. And let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord and thus surround the throne. And then this is it. Isaac Watts, I believe, is the text for this. Let those refuse to sing that never knew our God, but children of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad. There's that speak parallelism. It doesn't mean like, the Lord be with you. No, it's singing, right? It's speak. When I talk to you now, I'm singing. You probably would be very, very much asleep given the nice warm air. If I just said, good evening, I'm just going to talk right here. No rise and fall in my voice. Just lulling you to sleep after a long Wednesday. Well, even there, I put my voice up, didn't I? Right. Your voice is musical. All speech is music. I don't mean like all speech is music, man. I'm saying all speech is music in that you can rise your voice and make it fall. You can. The trick is you got to listen and this and this, and they got to work like the three branches of the U.S. government. And you say, well, they don't work. They kind of get stagnant. You're like, yeah, they do, right? Um, but they can work if applied the right pressure. You know, uh, you can decide what pressure is. You're like, well, I haven't seen that pressure in a long time. Well, that's neither here nor there. But you understand what I mean. Another one, you know this hymn very well. I left out the very important parts because I figured you could fill those in. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've what? No less days to play golf than when we first. No. I'm sorry. Define Latin for those of you educators here. No. Right? To watch the Ravens lose to the New Orleans Saints. No. Right? Which that's not going to happen anytime in the near future. But we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We've got to move the needle. We've got to want to move the needle. We've got to be cheerful and thankful. We've got to put our money and our mind and our time into that. We've got to be cheerful at trying and hearty and welcoming. Uh, and that is going to see a culture revival. We can't give thanks for what we don't know. And what was so great during the, what we would call the Dark Ages, when a lot of times the only thing that was keeping things from being burned down and canceled, right? The original cancel culture, you know. The burning down of was these monks who knew music and could hang on to it and could preserve it. We've got to be that again. We've got to know our heritage of song and books and grab a hold of it, love it, give thanks for it, and then we've got to move forward. This is a wonderful hymn. You probably know it. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be. It's an old chant tune. Did he say chant? Oh, no. Yeah, chant's not a four-letter word, but it is in some parts of the evangelical church. Protestants don't like chanting, unless it's Christmas time, right? Then we love chanting. Give us chanting all day long, because we get to open presents afterwards, right? But this is fantastic. It's a wonderful, of, of the things that are that have been, and that future you shall see. Evermore and evermore, right? But I want to draw your attention to, to some of these translations from a man named John Mason, Mason Neal. He said, thee let age and thee let manhood, thee let boys in chorus sing. I don't know, Marge, if I want my son singing because he's not going to be a manly man. Well, yeah, he would have been back in the day, right? I love it when I, uh, I have boys in our group that sing coming from wrestling practice and come to boy choir. Now that breaks all kinds of stereotypes, right? Smelling of wet dog coming from, uh, <laughs> coming from boy choir. I mean, they're coming from wrestling, like, you know, wrestling, not like Hulkamania, but that kind of wrestling. And then they come sing notes that'll break glass, right? Training them to be little Legolas type warriors with their voices so that they can be hardy tenors and basses, right? Um, but let boys in chorus sing, matrons, virgins, little maidens, with glad voices answering. Let their guileless songs re-echo, and their heart its music bring. Christ, and it's got this wonderful doxological ending. Christ to thee with God the Father and Holy Ghost to thee. Hymn and chant and high thanksgiving. Hymn and chant and high thanksgiving. We're about to come to thanksgiving, right? I, I charge you, as God's people here in Annapolis, be thankful for the wonderful heritage. Sing. I will send Dan, your pastor, this now thank well our God. You all sing it during this Thanksgiving season. Sing it, teach it to your kids. Sing it on melody. Sing it with a piano. Sing it without a piano. Right? Sing one verse of it. Right? Do that. 
and see if that doesn't spark you into some some more joy and encouragement. I love this next. Uh, James Montgomery wrote some many good <coughs> texts. Um, he he wrote the Angels from the Realms of Glory that we sing at Christmas time. Uh, Scottish hymn writer, but this is he wrote a whole hymn on the work of the gospel through the lens of music. You say, well, if that's not the niche of things well in a way yes but not in another songs of praise the angels sang heaven with alleluia's rang when creation was begun when God spake and it was done now when he spake he, he sang right think of Narnia think of Aslan right think of Tolkien think of the Silmarillion and the, the Ainur and the music uh, there in the beginning of Tolkien's worlds songs of praise verse 2 Awoke the morn when the Prince of Peace was born. <coughs> Songs of praise arose when he captive led captivity. Do you think of those things? These little bookmarks of history through song. Heaven and earth must pass away. Songs of praise shall crown that day. God will make new heavens and earth. Songs of praise shall hail their birth. And shall we alone be dumb till that glorious kingdom come? No. The church delights to raise songs and hymns and songs of praise. That's, shall we be dumb? No. The old, the old understanding of the word deaf and dumb, right? Um, shall we be silent? No. Saints below with heart and voice, still in songs of praise rejoice, learning here by faith and love, songs of praise to sing above. Boy, doesn't that orange you? If you have 30 more years, but what if you have eternity to be singing around the throne. You better get started now, right? You better you better get after it now. And if you're if you're already after it, you better pull others along with you. That's the lovely encouragement. Hymns of glory, songs of praise, Father unto thee we raise. Jesus glory unto thee with the Spirit ever be. Wonderful exhortation to sing. I hope you feel that um, we're not going to sing through this, but this is the wonderful hymn Rejoice, Give Thanks and Sing. If you want to know what's what's your admonition, what's your blueprint? Rejoice, give thanks, and say. Rejoice, give thanks, and say. In all things, in all times. Someone's dying. No one ever said at their deathbed, you know what, I really wish I had less music in my life. And less grandkids while we're at it. Right? <laughs> they, they never say that. They say, I would, I would have loved to have more children. I would have loved to have more grandkids. No one's going to turn down more singing. Right? Rejoice, give thanks, and sing. Uh, I'm going to skip this here and just throw you a few closing deals here. We're, we are doing some stuff in Monroe. If you want to, um, well, let's see here. I'm going to tell you about a couple things here. We are starting some projects uh, come this fall, Redeemer School of the Arts, where we are going to do this very thing, train people in a residency program um, in music, in culinary arts, in um, visual arts, because we're training worshipers, and that means not just information in your heads. We're not training brains on sticks, right? We're training you for kingdom living, the good life, feasting, singing, rejoicing, the things that make you all love your fellowship here with God's people. That's what we're doing in all of eternity. Um, and so I've got a couple notepads and things over here, a couple sample hymnals and uh, some books here, that's for you all to, to have uh, if you're interested in that. And then we'd love for your prayers and support in that work. And then in each summer we have a Bach lecture series where we try to train people to, we want people to be mature in music. We don't want to be snobs, right? You say, well, boy, you sure flirt with that, buddy. You know, well, I try not to. That's my temptation, right? Is to be, uh, to be a lover of it and still be mature and not snobbish. We have, those two things can't, can't exist in good uh, fellowship. Uh, so we have a Bach lecture series and then our summer <coughs> music camp, uh, which is the last week of June, and we'd love for you to come. Uh, we've got folks from over 12 states that come, and it's like VBS and choir camp uh, had a child, and the child looks really strongly resembles uh, the choir camp, right, um, <laughs> uh, instead of the VBS. Uh, but it's wonderful. It's training people to, to love good music and to be able to do it. And then, of course, you say, Jerry, you talk about some hymns and art and the contunes, right? But y'all don't have a country accent like I do. But I can't speak like you do. I haven't listened to enough of you talk. 
I haven't given you the chance. But <laughs> this is a wonderful hymnal of the Contus, but we're doing an, another hymnal project where we're trying to, to give some of these same tunes that you know, a vast majority of them as you know them, but also some of the hearty settings that have been lost so that there's uh, that opportunity to sing rhythmic, if you say, what are those hymns called? Rhythmic hymns of thankfulness, rhythmic version of a mighty fortress. Um, that's kind of what we're after here. Um, and then if you want to just, you know, hear me in your head from print, uh, if you look at, um, I've got a spot where I put a lot of this stuff, uh, these hymns, Oh Love How Deep, and Now Thank We All Our God is on there. If you just visit Jared jaredritchie.substack.com, which is right here. Um, it's called Musically Speaking, and it's all kinds of music stuff. You'll find some encouragement and some resources, you know, for the price, you can't beat it, right? Um, it's free. So you, you're, you're welcome to check that out and email me. If you just think jaredritchie at gmail.com, you'll find me. If you spell it right, my parents were fans of uh, the big um, the Big Valley TV show, the Western in the 80s, and so Jared and Heath, but my brother's name's not Heath, but Jared Ritchie um, and jaredritchie.substack. But I am just doing all that I can to encourage the saints where we are and in our denomination, and I hope that's what I've been able to do for you tonight. So um, let's see, do we need to close with prayer? Or should we well, say something? I was going to say, if there are a few questions, oh sure, yeah, um, I'll Thank try you. to move around a little bit. Anybody yeah. have any questions for Jared? Happy or comments? If something was speedy and too southern in the accent, yeah. <laughs> don't be shy. <clears throat> Is this group being recorded or something? Yeah, we're trying. Okay. I wrote them out for you. Okay, good, good. I'd love to hear. Music has been sung at various melodies throughout our time. The hymns and psalms that we sing today, what century on average were their melodies written? Today, yeah. in, in our church or in the American church? American church. Mean? American church, I would say on average of the 19th or 20th century, on average. 19th or 20th century. That's drastically shifting. More to newer than that. More to newer. Um, is there a reason that we sing those older tunes? As, is there a reason? Yeah, I would narrow it to two reasons. One is music literacy. We don't, we don't know how to do a lot of the rhythmic stuff. Uh, and so about 150 years ago, 200 years ago, everything got evened out to it. Every syllable was one quarter note, basically. And so that took away all of the di, da, ba, da, the rhythmic vitality. Now, thank we all are God. So that happened. And then we want music to do something different in our churches than it was thought to do 200 years ago. We want it to feel something right here, me personally, rather than us together picture something as a response of praise. So I would say those two things are the chief reasons that it's shifted. Do you see us moving from 18th century, 19th century music to a newer, written to a more lively melody? I would love to see that. What I don't want to see I'm not opposed to new music, but what I am opposed to is new music from people who don't know what's come before. What you have now is people who may mean well, but who say, you know what, we need to write new hymn tunes and new texts. And I say, yes, we do. But you need to be thankful for what has come before, before you go about picking that up. We tell them to do that in every other field. We say, you need to go study the masters, and then you need to, especially in the area of music, when the masters, like Bach and and these other Christians, they were faithful, even Mozart. Don't believe everything you see on TV, but these guys, these were, they were more faithful, uh, especially in the 16th uh, and 17th century, and then after that's where we saw a lot of waning. But yeah, write new stuff, sure, but write it from a posture of thankfulness that actually stands on the shoulders of what's coming. Well, that's your job, I suppose. <laughs> well, or I don't know. Or somebody. Because I look at the music, and when, I, when I'm singing music, I want to feel it here, just not up here. Hmm. And when I'm singing music, I'm kind of like, there's a lot of hymns I sing. I'm like, yeah. And um, Gudamil, why? Anyway, I mean, you can have your opinion, but the um, I look at music and when I'm singing it. I want to feel it here too. Yeah. And there's some hymns I do sing that way. The majority of them, I'm like, man, why are we singing this ancient music? Yeah, I would say you want them both in harmony. 
This is where music, I think, trains us as theologians. It trains you don't want your head only, and you don't want your gut, right? You want your chest, your heart, your mind. This is all this right. is where it's got to be a balance of the two. And any imbalance in either direction is a hindrance for the church. Do you think the uh, folks like the Bach, Bach era and all that stuff, were they just more musically talented than we were at the time? Yes, and they also were more biblically literate than we were. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about Bach's writing and making the sign of the cross in the word cross in German with how and where he put the notes on the staff. Mm-hmm. Now, who's noticing that? <laughs> Nobody. But he's so steeped in biblical symbolism and not superstition that he's trying to do, he's trying to make it so layered of meaning that it <coughs> soli deo glory. That's what he signed, SDG, at the bottom of all the scores. He's trying to do that. Um, and he was actually the more pietistic, uh, trying to woo and make the heart feel uh, a warmth and a move of the spirit. The tune you were playing there, my wife was like, keep playing it! Oh. <laughs> that was good. I mean, dynamite. Yeah, we did see that. I'll make a comment. Talking about the uh, <clears throat> for uh, Luther's yeah. hymn, we're, we're going to sing one this weekend, but it's not going to be that one. That's the one we learned in Monroe, yeah. but we haven't had a chance to teach people that here yet. But there's, and, and I've thought about it. now. Thank you, all guys. Could you play it for us? That's what she's asking. Yeah, I may. Um, yeah, if you just if you don't mind me. Uh, well, while, while he sets that up, let me just make a few comments. <clears throat> um, I would certainly, if you have time, effort, and energy, if you have kids and you're interested in going to the music camp, I'd encourage you to do so. <clears throat> I know there are several families that have discussed doing it. My wife goes down and, and participates and has been for years. But, you know, part of my goal is if, if we get some people that go do that, I want us to have that here. I want us to start growing in that direction um, here as well for our church to have Music, you know, down there for for high schoolers, uh, junior high and high schoolers, Yuri Brito teaches the Bible classes for that music camp, right? Now he's the the PM of the denomination. Um, I don't know if he he's still committed or not. He is, he is all right. Well, how about that? That's in, that's in the contract. No PM without. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have pull, but not that much pull. So so, but but singing should be around your table. Should be vigorous and and you know to Ken's point I, I would say um, you know we, we have no idea the vast talent that's sitting in here in our children every Sunday right with training we can bring good theologically trained children who are also great uh, musically trained children who could help move that ball forward um, go ahead and please play for us so now thank you all our God, I'll switch through it. You just I, I, think, the I think they're talking. No, they're talking about uh, yeah. a mighty fortress. Isn't that what you wanted to hear? A mighty fortress. Which one? A mighty fortress. Yeah. Give me two seconds. I always come prepared. At least I hope I do. All right, let's see. Put my money where my mouth is here. He's a scout master. And uh, when we. Uh, after he plays, we'll uh, we'll sing one more. And Jared had one. Uh, oh no, we can do that if we want to. A mighty fortress. What about like the John, the Wesleys, and all the hymns that they wrote? Do you not like them? Oh no, I don't. I don't mind. Uh, they're, they've got some wonderful texts uh, there. Yeah, they just I just picked a few that talked about uh, singing. Yeah. But when I mean you talk about a rich tradition of hymns, mm. there that's I, I mean I'm oh there were thousands of them the, those exactly. two brothers yeah they yeah. they did um, absolutely yeah I, I don't mean to slight that in any but do we not like to sing them in our church? Uh, we have some of them that uh, kind of be I mean, part of the most songs like their theology. Well, some of it is it's not so much the, their theology it's a lot of it is. Uh, I didn't do either of these contours hymnals, but I would say it's um, their stuff is is bumped out because there's so much others. It's more, it's not purposefully. There, there's some that I wouldn't do, but and can it be? It's probably 
the most recognizable Wesley tune. And then we sing, there's a whole mess of other ones we do at Christmas time. And, um, oh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Is that a Wesley tune? Next, next. There's Wesley text in the tune. Well, I can't talk and do this. I'm sorry. Um, I've got to find this in Mighty Fortress. I may not have it in so, the slides, but. So, and this is just it. We've got, uh, you know, the, the Contus is a work out of the, the churches up in Moscow, Idaho. Um, <clears throat> the church up in Lancaster about a year or so ago put out a, a hymnal with some things, Redeemer. So part of this is just collaborate, all this uh, collaboration. And <clears throat> I know, um, I don't know, uh, Nate, do you know how many songs, hymns are in the Contus? 15 to 20 Wesley hymns in the Contus. But, but the Contus completely. Yeah, because I, I know I was talking to the gentleman that works with, with Jared on the, on the hymn project down there. You know, they're like at 750, and, you know, how do you, how do you not make it too big and, and still be uh, very robust? Part of the focus with the contest was to make sure that there was at least one setting for every song. Yeah. The so new most hymn, yeah, the yeah, new. So most hymn books that any of us grew up with would have seven. The Trinity hymnal is 700 hymns. Just hymns. has no songs at all. Yeah. And so that focus on restoring of psalmody in the church uh, that's half the half the contents right there's 300 right right 250 psalms so that's part of it too where there may not be a yeah but uh, what i want to do is not drive a wedge so much between hymnody and psalmody because most of our churches when we say hymnody it's metrical psalms their metrical psalms are hymns on the psalms they're they're textually maneuvered to fit a tune line i mean you obviously would know that uh, y'all may not, which means it's all ours to sing, right? So I think we're, we're singing the psalms, but that doesn't mean we're dropping hymns. The psalms that we're singing are more often than not hymn, hymns on the psalms than they are exact translated psalms. Um, they may, they're faithfully worked on. I'm not sliding them anyway, but anyway. Yes. Yeah, now he's through composing the psalms, which is writing it all over there and around, and then once you get there, you've got it done, memorized. Um, I don't recommend doing that every week, but it's it's great. And I, yes, Doctor Irv, I know you're listening, but no, <laughs> no, I know you're watching this at some point. Yeah, he'll check. You said something, Jared. I heard. But this is the Mighty Fortress. Uh, notice how this is rhythmic. So the way you have two versions in the Contus of a Mighty Fortress, they're side by side. And we'll have two versions. We'll have the one that you have uh, that's first, I believe, or second, one of the two, and this version. This, what I want you to notice, so much of Hindi is long, short, instead of isorhythmic, which is the fancy musicology word for every beat gets the same, uh, every syllable gets the same beat. A mighty fortress is a dirge. Right? Or this... You don't even have to be a musician to see the darkened in notes, quarter notes, right? And the hollowed in half notes, like this, right? If you call the darkened ones short and the hollow ones long, short, long, 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 short, long, short, long, long. Now, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, right? It's not hard, though. I'm going to see if I can, I don't know if I pull this up over here, if I can see it over here. Well, let's see. It's not. It's neither one. This is this harmonization is not either what you have in the context or the old. Contus. Did it go away? Okay. Oh, perfect. Here we go. So I'll play a little of this. You, you'll see what I mean in about a, in about a take or a bar. Listen to this opening system.
notice. All right, this should be a whole note. Now means deadly woe. Try that. Now means deadly woe. Then it keeps going. Oh, I love this running back and forth. Um, see you in a second. <laughs> um, Deep and great mind. Your turn. Deep misapplied, uh, I was reading and I was wanting to find it, and I found it in this American book uh, by uh, Foote on Three Centuries of Hymnody, and I highlighted it. It said they were, they were going and slowing it down in the interest of solemnity. They thought it was more holy to treat it. There was this understanding that this is flippancy, that if you just you dance, well worship is a dance. I mean, we're not more holy because we hold our hands like this and you know, navel gaze during the Lord's <laughs> Supper, right? That's the holy way. No, not really. You can still be reverent and energetic. And I think that shift in theology plus music literacy cannot be ignored. If you can't read music, this might as well be, you know, Nessun Dorma or something, right? Or, I don't know, Magic Flute. Uh, the Queen of the Night aria or something like that. This is, this is very accessible. It's very rhythmic. But I, it was a, I think those are the two factors. Um, the theology was shifting, um, and then the, the music literacy was waning. And when you can't, you know, this is like, it's why we, we can't just have the theology of good music. We've got to train our people, and that's what I'm here for. I mean, I'm not the best pianist. I am more of an encourager than I am a technician, and I want to see our people recover that joy. But that's, that's what I would say. Any other? Did you play it all the way through? Oh, well, of course. But I also, on my Substack, you can have the PDF, and you can hear my singers uh, singing it for you uh, so that you can play it at home. But yes, I'll absolutely play it all the way through for you, and as long as you'll sing it with me. Here we go. Now, here, the only thing that might slow me down is I have to change the slide here in the middle. But you know, that's, life is interesting. So here we go. That's the, that's the trouble. Here we go. Try with me here. Like putting little 
ankle weights around your ankles and start walking. By mile two, right, you're just, you know, you, you need that pep in your step. You need, if you want to put a, a the, the what our heavenly needs is the long and short. It needs a whack of the tether ball in the middle of the line, right? When you were a kid, that tether ball's coming around, you're like, it's not gonna make it, gotta get one more mm, in there. Or Harlem Globetrotter basketball spinning. You need to get an update spin in there to keep it from entropy, right? To keep it from falling apart. We need to have our pianists play with vigor, not to let you all lead, but our pianists have to lead. We want, don't wanna go too fast, uh, but we want we want it to still be singable. We don't want it to sound like the end of a car commercial, right? <laughs> MSRP, either. That's not musical, right? But I understand what we're trying to do when we do that. We're trying to not let it die. Oh, don't die, whatever you do, right? Let's not make it boring. Um, so, but anyway, give thanks for wherever you are. Y'all laugh at yourself, laugh at me. Um, and if you, we'd love to have you come our way sometime into Monroe. But if you check out that my Substack account, you if you or email me that a mighty fortress PDF for free in a nice letter size, you can just click it and print it out. Now, thank we all our God is in there, and some other things there uh, too. If you want to look at that, let's see. I'll show you that here before we pray. But thank you so much for your attentiveness tonight. I hope. You don't feel like it's too much drinking from the fire hose, but you know what? There's worse things in life, you know. So uh, let me let me thank the Lord for us, and um, y'all have uh, been so kind to, to be here tonight, and I, I do appreciate it. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you for your great gift of music that you've given your church. We thank you that we can rejoice and give thanks and sing. We thank you that even though we forget the rich treasury of psalms and hymns that have been given to us, that you have been faithful to your church throughout history. I pray that you would bless this congregation, bless our denomination, help us to be more cheerful, more skillful in our singing, and to be more thankful as we do it, that, that we would be a light into this community and into this time in history that is silent with echoing of your praise. Help us to not be so. Help us to be joyful and singing all our days. And may the name of Jesus be uh, sung frequently, and may it be a, a light in the dark world that is around us. We ask you to hear our prayers and to protect us as we return to our homes, and we thank you now for our time together. In Jesus' name. <laughs>